Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello, and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the podcast, I have Peter Domangos. Peter is the co-founder of Collage. Collage is an HR benefits platform, similar to Zenefits or Humi, but they've taken a slightly different approach than Humi, who's been on the show before. They started off in the same vein, but now they're pivoting or tilting in their direction into basically working more in collaboration with advisors as opposed to as a standalone agent. So with that, here's Peter. Hello, Peter. Hey, Jason. Hey, thanks for taking the time again today. Of course. My pleasure. So, Peter Domingo's co-founder of Collage. Tell us all about Collage. So, in a nutshell, Collage is an all-in-one HR platform built uh, specifically for the small mid-sized market in Canada. So, for us, small mid-size really means 250 employees and below, uh, where our average customer can range really in the core of 20 to 100 employees is really where we serve exceptionally well. And by all-in-one, what we're referring to is the administration that has to deal with anything HR-related. So, just general record-keeping, doing that all online, time-off management, performance management, uh, recruiting and applicant tracking software. And what's unique about our HR platform is that it's also integrated on the benefits side. So we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later, but our technology syncs with the insurance companies across Canada. So when HR data is input into the platform, it only makes sense that it doesn't have to be re-entered with the insurance company's platform. So we take all that headache away. So it syncs with the insurance company. So all enrollment data related to the insurance program. So dependent information spouse, all that will get integrated. And then the third piece platform is really integrating that data further with payroll. So it's really trying to solve all the HR payroll benefit admin related tasks for small mid-sized businesses and just taking that all online. Okay. So before we jump into into that in greater depth, because there's a lot that I cite there, yeah. uh, let's talk about your your history and the journey of what you did before this and what led you to start this. Yeah, so it dates back to 2007. So my initial and a couple steps to get to where we are today, but my initial passion was in health and wellness at the corporate level. So trying to help companies drive down the cost of their benefits, their costs of drug-related items, blood pressure, cholesterol, all these things that are lifestyle-related. And that didn't go too well. That was about a year later, spinning wheels, <laughs> trying to enter that market, which I think it was just a challenging one to get into at that time. But that led me into the benefit space. So I was in there pitching to HR teams uh, and ownership, trying to convince them that it's worth spending money to drive down the cost of benefits. And in doing so, I really had to understand what the cost of benefits actually was and where people are spending in their benefit program. So how much of that is related to drugs and how much of that can be changed and improved through a wellness corporate wellness program. So very quickly, I realized there was a stronger opportunity in the benefit side. So I shifted gears, dissolved that company, started a new one entirely, PDF Employee Benefits, and that still exists today. And I, and I run that company uh, sp- focused specifically on health and dental programs, uh, mostly mid-large size companies, so dealing with HR teams, which is a different segment than collage. And that HR exposure led me, so that was 2008 when I started PDF, so that HR exposure led me to start teaching at Humber College in the HR uh, program, the pension and benefits class specifically. And then in doing so, I just got even further plugged into the HR world and really understanding the pains of, of the HR department and then recognizing that the larger companies and the HR teams had access to a lot of technology, a lot of resources to help them support 
in managing their employees. So HRS systems, payroll, all these things were available at a custom level for a large company. And recognizing that that did not exist in the small business market or small mid-sized market. And that realization kind of came at the same time that we were hearing whispers of Zenefits. So now we're in 2012 or so, I'd say 2011, 2012, hearing whispers of Zenefits and the threat of them coming up to Canada. Uh, and the impact that they've had about flipping the insurance and HR space on its head, specifically in the small and mid-sized market. And on the other side, my two co-founders, who are the tech entrepreneurs, and without them, obviously, Collage would not exist. They've, you know, have experience in, in building technology before that. They were looking at Zenefits. I'd gone to high school, actually, with one of the co-founders, uh, Elijah, and they had looked at it from the tech space. So they were hearing about Zenefits being the hottest thing in technology. I mean, you never think that benefits in HR would be a hot topic as far as tech companies are concerned, but here's the fastest growing company is an HR and benefits company in the States. States. So there was a lot of buzz around that in Toronto. And then uh, they had reached out to me because they knew that I was in the benefits space. And we kind of came at this realization together over a coffee. This was December, 2015. And then we all knew that we had the right recipe. They had the tech expertise uh, and some investment banking background as well. I the HR and benefits expertise. So we incorporated in January 2016. Uh, we were lucky enough to be connected with the right people who had the same vision as us. And we raised capital in, of May, in May of 2016. So very quickly from the time that we had our first coffee and said, we have to tackle this problem in Canada. Uh, we're, again, partnered and aligned with a VC fund uh, through PowerCorp called Diagram, and we raised capital in May 2016. And then it's been just absolute excitement and chaos ever since. <laughs> excitement and chaos, yes. The uh, I remember when I reached out to you initially, it was a conversation about how I wanted to do the same thing, but my tech buddies weren't ready to make that leap. So, <laughs> well done. So, okay, let's let's move back to the product first of all. So, essentially, you mentioned quite a lot of verticals there. I mean, the HR stuff is pretty core, uh, but you mentioned benefits integration. Can we go into what level of benefits integration you're doing and uh, with how many carriers? Yeah, so I'll walk through what benefits looks like before collage, just to get a sense of what the customer experience is, especially in a small, mid-sized group. So, so pre any of the software company would enroll a new employee, they would have the employee complete a paper form. So whether it's Manulife, Great West, it doesn't matter. They're all paper-based. And the extent of the technology would be the plan administrator could then potentially log into the insurance company and enter that data. But it was never uh, uh, end-user employee-facing. So the employee does not go in to self-enroll themselves in the benefits program. That's still today done very, very manually or pre-collage-like businesses. So the experience is not the best. That means a lot of paper intensive on the benefits side. So then the plan admin would either mail it in or log online to, to provide that information to the insurance company. Along the side, they're also collecting other things with the employees. So things related to their job, you know, duplicate information that you need for HR and payroll in addition to that benefits enrollment. So what we've essentially done is recognizing that's all one big data collection of which there's 80, 90% overlap between regular HR, employee onboarding and benefits and payroll. Doing all that into the collage platform allows the plan admin and the employee to get rid of all that paper. So now an employee logs in with collage or gets sent their link as a new employee, because that would happen. They would get an onboard link. The employee would, through that onboard process, would complete all their emergency contacts, personal information, you know, sign their electronic documents, and then the last piece would actually complete their benefits-related information. So assigning dependent or rather listing dependent information, their spousal details, all the things that they would otherwise do on that old paper form. And they're doing it now online within the college platform. 
And then daily, we share data with all of our insurance companies. So we work with all the insurance companies across Canada. So we've had zero issue with any company that we've come across. Now, as we've entered different provinces, there might be some regional players, but developing that relationship, given that we have so many other relationships, it's, it's been quite easy for us. So yeah, we work all the different insurance companies across Canada. So now when an employee onboards, they submit their data, they don't have to worry about or the plan admin does not have to worry about further taking that data and mailing it to the insurance company or logging in on the insurance company's portal. And even more importantly, it's it's the ongoing changes. So an employee now, a year later, gets married or has a child, they no longer have to worry about going to their plan administrator at the company, giving them that information. They can just log into the collage platform, update their personal details there. That will then get synced to the appropriate party. So if payroll needs to know that information, which is very likely, especially if it's an address change or banking details, then payroll will be notified. If benefits or the insurance company needs to be notified of that information, so things like spouse or dependent family status changes, then they will then be notified. Anything that any party that needs to be notified, just it gets done by having the employee just enter it once on the platform. So you basically throw out through all the workflows of where that data has to go and you basically bake them into the system. Exactly. Excellent. And then, of course, you mentioned uh, payroll as well. That was not an original feature set. That's newer for you, is it not? Yeah. So and we've taken a different approach to payroll. So even though we're a technology company, we've taken a non-technology approach to payroll, recognizing that the consumer that we speak to, the small, mid-sized business, wants payroll to be taken care of rather than having the payroll technology necessarily replaced. So a lot of our customers, if I just step back for a second on the HR, a lot of our customers from an HR tech standpoint, did not have HR when they first came to the collage. They were working off Excel files or documents, Google Drive, you know, at best. So they're entering a more organized process and workflow, like you mentioned. Whereas with payroll, you know, everyone for the majority will have some sort of payroll, if not a technology, a process in place, whether it's through QuickBooks. But a lot of our customers are using some sort of uh, payroll technology and they just want it done. Their complication is around the rules with payroll, if they have unique payroll process or payments, it's that managed payroll component that they want taken off their plate. So the service that we've offered now, given that all the data is central in Collage, which makes sense for us now to integrate with their payroll, they will basically let us handle payroll for them. So we assign a payroll specialist at Collage, a Collage team member that is assigned to each customer. And any questions they have around payroll or they, there's file uploads they can send us, whatever they're using today. So if it's a, you know, manufacturing firm that has a thumbprint stamp, uh, that will then spit out a timesheet that gets used to update payroll. We don't want to recreate that process. We'll just take that timesheet. It's fed into our uploader. And then we're the ones that are managing that payroll process or rather managing that payroll submission with their payroll company. So we're not taking away their payroll solution. We're just taking away all the day-to-day management of payroll for them because it just makes so much sense to have it all under one platform. Excellent. So basically allowing them to have the choice of not working with you essentially on one centralized payroll. I get that. Yeah. So in terms of getting to where you are, what were the major challenges that you encountered while trying to scale up? So I think there's different challenges at different stages of a business and probably just stating the obvious. At the beginning, I would say that the biggest challenge is finding the right team. So we are fortunate enough that our three co-founders all very complementary skill sets. Uh, my one co-founder, his background is all in building technology and is a phenomenal uh, leader in the tech space. My other co-founder's background is investment banking and business. So has a very understands the VC world and understand capital raising, which are very 
important things when you're talking about a startup like this or a technology company where you really can't succeed without raising capital. And then myself coming at it from the knowledge base of the industry, so benefits in HR. So we were really fortunate that we found a very complimentary uh, founding team and then taking that and just getting to the next layer now and the next set of hires. What's the process around hiring the right people and what does that look like and different philosophies around that and what kind of culture we want to create. I think those are really important things that setting them out early on makes a huge difference. We are very conscious about doing that and making sure that as much as we were a sales organization like any organization at the beginning, I mean, you want people to get to know who you are. So it's all sales and marketing. Uh, we're very conscious about not building a aggressive, high turnover sales bullpen. We want to have a very diplomatic sales and relationship and consultative type of sale approach to our business. So we're very careful about how we grew our sales team and all the other segments of the business. So I would say hiring was a big, not a challenge in the sense that it was not finding the right people because we found amazing people. I think the challenge is figuring out the right process and what that looks like and how much time is committed. And, and every company has their own sort of take on that. I mean, we had a very extensive hiring process where the candidates would meet with various segments of the team. Um, we did case studies. Like We were very, very intense on that. So I'd say that was challenge number one, is just thinking about how we build the right team. Actually, I'll step back. First challenge was once the three of us came together, the biggest was how we think about raising capital and how much capital that we would need. Well, uh, I think you did well in that category. But continue. Yeah. So we were really <laughs> lucky that we aligned tremendously well with uh, Diagram, which is a VC firm backed by Power Financial they saw the vision of what we were trying to do. Uh, it was a very clear alignment. So that was, we we're very fortunate in that. It was, just, you know, a lot has to do with finding its timing. It's, you know, alignment and what we want to achieve of this and what we want to build collage to look like years later. So yeah, that was, I'd say any business will go through that challenge. We, I think we're very fortunate in, you know, in finding that alignment very quickly. I know some companies will tell you, you know, raising capital can take a lot of time. So again, we were fortunate and we were, when you start it, when you have an idea and you want to launch, the last thing you want to do is wait around for an entire year raising capital. It's so not what no. you're excited about. You're excited about creating the business. So it's, it's a necessary part of, of a startup. So again, we were just very lucky that it's something that we just, we found that alignment in the marriage with our investors very quickly. So we were off to the races about six months after we started the business or less than that. So that was really exciting. So yeah, so then step two would have been, how do we go about or how do we think about building a team and the process around that? We followed, there's a book called The Who. I think that's the one, yeah. It's been a while since I read it, it a couple of years ago. That outlines sort of the hiring practice and what you should be thinking about when you're hiring the right people and questions to ask and how to ask the questions, which is really, really enlightening for us. And it made a whole world of a difference now, two and a half years later, when we have the majority of the people that we hired are still with us makes a big difference. Well, no doubt. I would hope that someone who's so focused on HR is going to be focused on managing their own team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's well. Point. No kidding. Yeah. So what was the reaction initially in your mind from uh, advisors in the space that were just not traditionally technologically enabled? Yeah. So it's interesting because I came and still am in the advisory space. Like my entire career has been really the past 10 years in the benefits advisory space uh, specifically. So in, in the benefits space, especially in Toronto, it's a small world, I guess, like anything, you know, if you're niche enough, you realize that 
you know, there's a select, there's a small world of advisors that are in that niche space. So it was a, it was bittersweet because I recognized there was an opportunity to shake up the space a little bit. I think a lot of our industry was aware that thing, these things were happening. I will say as well, like the reality of any industry where the average age is kind of guesstimating here, but uh, I don't think I'm too off. Probably in their mid fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close to like 65, 66. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it's any surprise that average age is less concerned about growth and they're more concerned about maintaining what they've developed and succession planning and not taking too many risks at that, at that stage. Whereas mm-hmm. myself in the business still having 20, 30 years ahead of me, I recognize that my mindset has to be very different than that. As much as I respect the industry, I knew that it's got to be people that are, that are thinking about 20, 30 years from now are the ones that are going to be making these disruptions and being part of that. So for me, it was just inevitable that our industry is going to see change. I want to be part of that change. So the good news is I had a lot of great relationships and I still do with most of the advisor network. And, you know, when I was communicating to them what we were doing, there was a lot of support in that. I think there was a lot of questions about what does that mean for, you know, for their business. But I think they recognize, especially with Zenefits, doing a lot of PR damage a year before, people were aware that this was going to happen. So there definitely was a lot of questions. I think there's, there's two camps that you see. And I'm sure this applies to most industries. You have the one camp that completely discredits it. They're just so against change you know they don't want anything to change with the way that their their business is handled today and then you have the other camp of people that are inquiring and asking about how they can they partner and you know how that's going to impact their business and they want to be part of it and just very inquisitive from a, a very positive perspective so you started to realize that that camp just continued to grow and then there's other companies coming into the space so then it became less about technology or collage uh again became more about just technology in our industry and you know and thinking about how we're going to leverage that as an advisor whether we partner whether we build license whatever it may be i think it was about a six month of a scare from what i i gather and then people very quickly <laughs> recognized that it's six it's coming fear. Yeah. There, was a, there was a meteor heading towards them yeah, yeah i get exactly. it yeah. that's funny so now you made a recent shift though like mm-hmm. basically uh, advisors have less reason to be fearful of you at this point because you were actually steering into being more of an advisor services company at this point are you mm-hmm. not that's exactly correct so when we first launched it was more disruption in the space, we were offering a free HR platform. And then the way we would make money is commission like any advisor would. So the, the HR was more of a value add. But as we continue to grow the HR platform, and I'll, I'll say the HR at that point was far more basic as well. So that made a lot of sense. Now the platform is far more robust. I mean, you can compete with any HRS that's out there, even at the large, even against HRS systems that you know service large companies. So we are in this dilemma where as we moved the product more up market as far as company size. So when we first launched, you know, we were servicing micro businesses, five, 10 employees where they were okay with a, a more basic product. Maybe the relationship with the advisor wasn't as strong. And then as we moved a little bit more up market, as our customers took us there and wanted more features on the HR, we're in this position where we need to determine, well, were we an HR company first or we were advisor first that was using HR as a way to gain more advisory business? And you know, we always thought of ourselves as a tech, an HR tech company. So I think that was a relatively easy decision for us to make to say, well, our customers are asking for all these features. They're willing to pay for it. They want to maintain their relationship with their advisor. And I think that's what's really unique about Canada versus the US. The relationship with the advisor, especially in the small mid-sized market, 
is exceptionally strong. And it says it's a huge kudos to our entire industry and the relationship that customers have or advisors have with their with their customers. So we recognize that the writing was a little more clear for us. Customers were really valuing our HR platform and the features that we were building. They valued their relationship and they were actually asking us if they can pay for the platform or maybe if we can partner with their advisor. So it was enough of interest in having you know the three parties work together that we started to beta test it uh, last fall, actually last summer, 2017. And we had some early stage pilot broker partners. It went tremendously well. There was a lot of good feedback from the partners, from us, our teams. It just felt like it was the right business decision. And then the numbers obviously supported that, which is crucial for any business. And then in the beginning of this year, of 2018, we made the official leap to kind of sever uh, our a role as an advisor. I think to succeed in this business model, you kind of have to be either in one camp or the other. For the purpose of testing, obviously, we remain in sort of two business models. But once we recognized which was going to be the winning strategy for us, we basically made that decision hard stop uh, last month, actually in February. So now we only exclusively work through our uh, through broker partners. Uh, we have a few per province at this point, And the next phase for us is figuring out what, what that growth model is going to be like, how many partners we have, what does all that look like? So we haven't ironed out those details, but through our pilot, we've have enough partners that at least it makes sense to continue to grow the business. We're not stalling, waiting to grow that partnership channel. We have a lot of partners actually continues reaching out to us. So we're super excited about that because you know we know that it's the obvious winner. Some of our competitors have maintained more original business models, if you will. Some have changed a little bit as well. But for us, we we are double downing on, uh, doubling down rather, on that strategy. And I think another piece, given that I've been in the business so long, uh, we have amazing reputation with the advisor network. It was just one extra layer that just made a lot of sense. Good. Here's the interesting thing. You're not you're alone in the Canadian market with taking that position. Am I not correct in believing? I think didn't Zenefits make that same pivot recently? Yeah. So Zenefits did that. I, I want to say September of last year, which yeah. the timing was. It was funny because that for me, as we were looking, is so we were piloting this. So we started this test broker partnerships. I want to say like May, June of 2017. And the data was just kind of speaking for itself. The customer feedback was speaking for itself. So we recognized, well, we actually are going to have a dilemma really soon deciding <laughs> what do we want to do. And it's a wonderful dilemma to have. But I will say this, when you're a tech company and you're burning capital, sometimes you don't want all these dilemmas <laughs> because <laughs> it's enough. not, you know, you can't just pause and sit back for two months and say, well, let's figure out what the best option is, you know, and let's think about it very slowly. You have to make decisions very quickly when you're a heavily backed company with a large payroll, right? And you're constantly pushing product, it, it, the business operates dramatically different. So when we saw the Zenefits announcement and we heard the Zenefits announcement back in September 2017, it was kind of music to our ears because we, we recognized that this was the opportunity that we were going down as well. And that was just extra validation that we realized, okay, they're seeing it very similarly. We're not the only ones that are moving away from this business model, which quite frankly, is what helped us raise capital, right? The original business model. So it's difficult, even from a, an emotional standpoint, to remove yourself from the original business model. A lot of entrepreneurs, I think we, the successful entrepreneur is one that will constantly pivot based on what the market tells us. But it's tough sometimes to remove yourself from the emotion that exists of, well, this is the creation that we thought of. And, you know, that has to win. Um, so it's kind of... You should be able to run the marathon. No, exactly. no, it's got to grow up. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the, to your point, the Zenefits announcement really was the valid, was the extra validation for us that we were on to the right decision. I mean, the to me, it's a natural evolution as well. And, and beyond that, I mean, I think that it's always smarter to lick the spoon of an entire industry than it is to try to carve out a piece of it yourself. Yeah, exactly. So wise move, in my opinion. We have to chat about that. Uh, so <laughs> that being said, so how big is the size of your team these days? You uh, you were growing pretty quick last we talked. Yeah, so we grew. We're about 30 employees right now, 35. Um, we have a Montreal office as well. So we were growing really quickly up into a certain point. And then and that, well, I would say probably the last summer. For no other reason than, you know, when you're growing quickly, you grow in batches and then you kind of have to fill it. And sometimes you're kind of chasing yourself. You're, you're hiring out slightly in advance. So again, because things are moving so quickly, uh, hiring our industry, any tech business or any fast growing company, hiring is a big challenge. So it's process and when you hire and, and roles and so forth. But I mean, that's a whole other discussion. So our team right now, we're about 30, 35 people. We have an office, our main office, Toronto. Uh, we have uh, an office in Montreal as well. So we have a support and sales team in Montreal. Uh, we've had to redesign the team. So thankfully, you know, we had a lot of great candidates, especially in our sales side, a lot of great people where we can reshift some of their responsibilities now to be more partner focused, where we did have, I'd say, you know, 20% of our sales team prior to the shift was outbound sales. So it's a little bit of a different skill set that you require to do outbound sales. I mean, it's probably one of the toughest jobs. They'd be, you know, calling companies and filled with constant rejection. But we had a, a huge component of the business that was that. So thankfully, we were able to reposition, you know, maintain some staff. Obviously, with these changes, it doesn't always make sense to maintain all the staff. So those are some of the challenges that go along with making a business change or a shift. But yeah, and, and I'd say of the 30, 35 staff, give or take about a half are product and development related. So we build everything in-house, stored in Canada as well. Which is a, you know, very value, very high value to our customers, given that they're all Canadian customers. And then the balance of staff would be anything sort of the sales to service funnel. So now we have it starts with partnership sales and, and relationship managers that flows through to our account executives that are the ones doing the presentations to the clients and our, and our broker partners so they can get, see the full value of the platform. And then we have sort of an onboarding and account management team that's really there to make sure that the retention is there and, and supporting all of our customers, the day-to-day -day questions as well as their employees. And how many clients are you servicing these days? So clients is a number that I, it's tough for me to provide. I can give you, cause I track it as number of, of employees. So we're about 20,000 employees that are on the platform. Mm -hmm. Average customer is around 40, 50 employees. So you can kind of run the math to get yeah. the number Fair of enough. customers. But yeah. We, we tend to focus as, as the number of employees rather than actual customer. Now in this space, of course, you have competition. We've already spoken to Humi and then yeah. all the other payroll companies are kind of scared of you guys. Look, it looks like, and they seem to be putting together rudimentary HR systems. Yeah. Any opinion on that? I mean, I think you guys stack up pretty well versus what I've seen come out of there. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think it's a bittersweet when you have more noise. So the reality is the more noise creates the feeling of customers. Now they recognize that they need to do something about their HR solution. So the buyer is looking to buy essentially at this point. So that's the good news. The bad side obviously is there's a lot of clutter. So they have to filter through a lot of platforms that maybe aren't the right fit for them or not built in the way that what they're looking for. Uh, we're very confident in the product that we built tends to do very well against all levels of competition. So we're really confident in that because of how much diligence we put into building the product and doing it all in house. Like we've never outsourced 
any of the product, which I don't know on behalf of other competitors to speak, but I think you see that time and time again, where a lot of pieces are outsourced and then the product isn't built in a way that's sustainable and scalable. So when it comes product head to head, we always win. But again, it's just, it's the customers now has to filter through a little bit of clutter. So it's, it's a bittersweet, but overall, I think it's, it's a wave now that's going to be here. Obviously it's, because customers recognize that they need to take their HR processes online. So it's it's good that the attention is given to our industry. Uh, we just need to do or continue to do a good job as making sure that you know, we're at the front of the line and they see our product. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you're on a couple of trends. And one of those big trends is integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a job of trying to integrate several touch points for employees and, and for, for HR managers into one comprehensive tool. But I mean, it's uh, I can only see that expanding because quite frankly, I mean, whether it be you know, managing the logging into the CRM system as well to de- deal with those files as well. Yep. No one wants to have to enter anything twice. Correct. And quite frankly, they shouldn't have to. Correct. So um, before we close out, and then we'll close out in a little bit, but what excites you about what's going on with your business and the industry in general? Wow. It's, I think there's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things that excite me. Uh, it's a very uh, loaded question. I think it depends on the time of day or the day of the week that you get me as well. <laughs> I just think in general, I'm very excited by or maybe excited is not the right word. I'm very proud of the advisory space that we have in Canada and the relationship and the trust that exists between client and the advisor. So even coming from that space, I think that I didn't recognize how strong that was until you really start competing in certain areas or in a different way, different markets as well. So I'm, you know, at a high level, I'm very proud of that. But on the other hand, too, I think that the, you know, this, whether you're tech enabled or not, the reality is that there are a lot of advisors in all aspects of financial services, insurance, all that, that are overpaid, underserving. And I think technology companies or great advisors like yourself, the ones that are providing real value, I think what's happening now in our industry is it's kind of getting shaken up a little bit where customers are, are seeking value more than. Uh, maybe before they were just unaware or competition wasn't as easily accessible. I'm not really sure. But the good news of what I see of our industry is it's going to clean out some advisors that I think are not representing our industry as you know I think value advisors would want to be represented. So I'm very excited and hopeful of that. I'm very excited that our platform is going to help enable the value advisors, you know, the key advisors, the trusted advisors, and enable them to really do that right, and help them expand their business to be part of that journey, to see the industry continue to elevate and then be the technology that enables a lot of these key advisors to do that for us is very exciting to be a part of. Excellent. I mean, I, I totally see that. I mean, first of all, I think any advisors you to choose to want to work in collaboration with you, it's a self-selecting factor, right? Like these are not lazy people who are scared of technology. These are people who are seeing themselves as business owners and trying to put themselves in a position to put their business in a good spot for years to come. So exactly. I think you're probably going to end up seeing the better ones as opposed to the worst ones. And it's interesting, the entire, and you know, you have, an, you have one foot in both worlds, yeah. but more often than not, you start talking to technologists, and as I've said before on the show, every you know to them because they have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. They think they're going to stamp out all advisors in every capacity going forward, and everything will be be self serve. And as you found, that's the complete opposite. Like exactly. they're don't get me wrong, there's a do it yourself self serve market, but there's you know so much noise, like you said, and the difficulty of trying to figure out what the best fit is for you is something that frankly you need someone with some sort of expertise in order to get to that. Yep. And I think we're starting to see that kind of cresting now. I mean, as you know, with your shift, with the Zenefit shift, I mean, they probably they did that because they were probably seeing the same signals you were. Yeah. And, you know, who's the other one that comes to mind? Um, Wealthfront in the U.S. I mean, they recently had a down round on the last capital raise. 
and uh, they're seeing slowing growth. And part of it, you know, their stance has always been, we're going to wipe advisors out of, out of existence. Well, it looks like clients kind of want their advisors to stick around for now, at least. Yeah. So. No, that's so true. And I think there's a market. I mean, Wealthsimple is a great example. And I know they've continued to grow and evolve. But if we just look at the concept, at least initially, where there's that market where it's A, they might be intimidated to meet with advisor. They might not have enough capital. It feels if it's, you know, warranted for them to meet with an advisor. They're early in their careers. So, you know, they're just, they're not aware of a lot of the, the investment lingo and a platform like Wealthsimple makes a tremendous amount of sense. And then you can even say that certain advisors would rather support their customers with a Wealthsimple platform. It's easier for them to help solve that problem. It's not really one petition and you're one of them. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just, as I'm sure you, I mean, you do this all the time. This is, you know, world, your world. And, but any advisory space for that matter, it's just identifying, you know, what the needs are of the customer finding solutions for them and, and certain solutions are going to be sit down to one-on-one where it's a very in-depth financial analysis and others are going to be leveraging technology because doing things easily and simple and, and fast is more important. So I think the smart or trusted or long-term advisors, the one that recognizes that there are different types of customers with different types of needs and being able to address those or direct them is, you know, first and foremost, the main role of the advisor, right? Well, thank you for taking the time, Peter. This has been great. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy this, and hopefully, it'll lead to getting a little few more few more conversations from advisors about working in collaboration yeah, with you. My pleasure. Thank you. So that was my interview with Peter Domingos. I uh, hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you found that of use. If you did like it, by all means, please reach out to me with any feedback you may have via our website and email at uh, fintechimpact.co. Also, uh, reviews are appreciated. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever it is you get podcasts. And with that, I'm Jason Pereira, and this has been Fintech Impact. Till next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.